Hey, my name is Justin Kowalski, and I am the associate pastor at our Palm Avenue campus in Riverside, California. Thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, welcome back to Sandals Church. Our vision uh, is to be real, and I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm a little embarrassed as I look back at 2020 on some of my priorities, okay? I think it's the first time a lot of us have been in our home that long for a while, and you started looking around and seeing all the things you needed to fix and clean. I I cleaned the ceiling at one point, I was so bored. (laughs) Uh, And I'm a little embarrassed, you know, it says something about us as Americans when there's like a worldwide, you know, pandemic, and we think, this is a good time to remodel my kitchen, you know? Uh, But I did the same thing. Like, I went to my kitchen window, and I looked out one day, and I thought, I want to plant some shade trees, like right here. Three beautiful shade trees in the morning that I can go out and look at. The only tricky thing is I had to plant them in my neighbor's yard, okay? Because when I look out the kitchen window, it is my neighbor's yard. Our house is like 20 feet apart. It's small. In fact, I could see my neighbor, you know, in the window, drinking his coffee, And so one of the reasons I wanted trees was kind of, you know, have some blockage there between me and, you know, Cody and his PJs and the college guys. So I I went across, you know, I said, guys, listen, you've been there 10 years, you know, they love me. And I was like, listen, guys, I got a huge favor I want to ask you. Can we plant some trees in your yard? And, uh, but here's the deal, I will pay for the trees. Like, I will pay for the fertilizer, the mulch. I'll dig the hole, like, I'll get the little strings, you know, the twine that hold it up and, like, pin it in the ground. But I need you to water the trees. It's kind of important in Inland Empire, right? Like for six months, I need you guys to water these trees so that they live after you guys move out next year. And they're like, Claude, dude, we got it. (laughs) They didn't got it. You know, like Cody was my boy for like the first month, dude, he's out there watering. And I I know, because I can see him every morning. And then, but man, as time went on, dude, they kind of forgot, you know, and these trees start drying up. And uh, I was like, babe, we need to get a new fence. That was the new project. We're getting a new fence. Uh, But sure enough, when my new neighbors moved in, they looked at these trees and two of the three were so dead. The first day, man, they just chopped them down. Listen, uh, planting, planting a tree is one thing, but seeing it grow is something different. Planting is actually pretty easy. But the goal of planting is, is not finished until it's matured and really until it's reproduced. Le- living things reproduce. And you know, last week we talked about an essential called evangelism where we wanna see people trust Jesus. We wanna see people saved. But listen, salvation is not the finish line. The essential series wasn't over. I don't know if you noticed, but we still got two more after that because you becoming a Christian is not the finish line. It's the starting point. And we have a problem when we view salvation as the finish line. Let me tell you something. Uh, there's a Southern Baptist Convention. It's the largest denomination uh, in the world. And if you re- rewind back about 20 years, there are 5 million people that attend Southern Baptist churches. That's a lot. But over the last 20 years, they baptized 7 million new people, people who trusted Christ and wanted to follow God in baptism. And you're like, dude, that's incredible. We had 5 million, we baptized 7 million, and they looked up at the end of the 20 years and they had 4.8 million. Now, I'm not great at math, but that's not great. That's like, how did you lose 7 million people? And and in fact, we lost more than that because they took some people with them. You know, like you, you wouldn't let a toddler crawl out the back door you know, but we were 7 million of them. But dude, they saw salvation as the finish line, not the starting line. Jesus says, man, you becoming a Christian is just the beginning. 
His desire for us is to grow, to mature, and to multiply. Do you know Jesus had two missions? We mostly think of his, his eternal mission, to come and to pay for sin on the cross for us, and his resurrection sealed you know, our salvation. But he also, he didn't just have an eternal mission, he had an earthly mission. John 17, before Jesus goes to the cross, he's praying for the disciples, but I want you to see what he prays. God, I glorified you on earth, he says, having accomplished or finished the work that you gave me to do. Now you're like, well, hold on a second. Like you, you ain't finished finished because you still haven't been to the cross. What work did he finish, right? You still got some finishing. But in other words, Jesus was saying my earthly mission of preparing the disciples to be mature enough to handle the trials of life, to plant the church and to reproduce and multiply, he had finished that because that salvation wasn't the finish line, it was the starting line. Do you know the word Christian is only used in the Bible like three times? That's not the, that's not the end. The word disciples used 261 times because it's essential. It's essential that you move on to maturity. So at the end of Jesus' ministry in Matthew 28, we know that he gives them a commission. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You remember when he called them, he says, I'm gonna make you fishers of men. But at the end of his ministry, he's now, you're gonna turn around, you're going to make disciples. You're going to multiply. You're gonna baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But guess what? You're not done. Then teach them to observe and obey all that I've commanded you. Listen, we have forgotten that salvation is not the end goal. Your maturity and your multiplication is the end goal. Jesus um, loved to use analogies and metaphors of planting and sowing and reaping and harvest. And we're gonna look at a parable together that to be honest, I've interpreted wrong most of my Christian life and most of you have too. It's known as the parable of the sower. And we're gonna read Mark 4 version. Starts off saying this, listen, he says, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up. But since it had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed, he says, fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded, listen to this, no grain. Other seeds fell on good soil and they produced grain, growing up, increasing, yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he says, let he who has ears, let him hear. He's saying, this is hard to understand. Listen, when you read the parables, one of the things I learned in seminary is that a parable, especially in Jewish culture, usually taught one truth. We shouldn't try to apply a bunch of different things to the sun or Satan's power. Really, a parable taught one big obvious truth. And the obvious truth in this and into this is the person who multiplied 30, 60, 100 fold so that you don't miss it, that the obvious point is this is not who's going to make it to heaven, but who's going to grow and mature and multiply. And I've read this, I think most of us have read this as a salvation parable, and it's not. I think it's a discipleship parable for us. To grow on the point is, I mean, why does the sower sow? It's so that the harvest will multiply and he can eat again next year. That's the whole reason a, a sower sows in the first place. Jesus goes on, he explains the parable later, 
So we get his explanation. He says this, the sower sows the word of God. It's the gospel that we're talking about. And the ones that fell along the path where the word is sown, Satan immediately comes and he says he takes away the word that is sown in them. Uh, I think this is the one in the, in the three that's not a, a believer. They, it do, never says they believe. Now, I, you know, we're gonna talk about the other three, but I don't wanna move on past this because we need to stop and just remember that, man, you are not saved because you were smarter than somebody else or better. Uh, you're, it wasn't even your decision to be born in a country where you could hear the gospel. There's three billion people that will never get a chance to have the seeds stolen away from them. It was a miracle. And, and you need to thank God and be grateful I mean, the Bible says that you and I were lying in the dirt and God walked by one day and said, live. Live. It was his grace that saved us. You know, I get a text message every year on February 13th. It's not my birthday. It's not my anniversary. But Mike Simpson texts me every single year. And he says, today was the day that you shared the gospel with me and I trusted Christ 25 years ago. Claude, 26 years ago, today was the day. And it changed my family, it changed my kids, it changed everything. Don't ever get over that. We, we were dead men walking. God saved you by his grace. What scares me in this parable is actually the other two. Because I've started to believe that, that I need to admit these are probably Christians. And it's possible, I don't think you can fall from grace, but I, can, I think you can fail to grow. In verse 16, this is what Jesus says. And these are the ones who are sown on the rocky ground. Once you, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves. They endure even for a while. Luke 8 says that they believe and are saved. Like it says in the first one, Satan steals away from their hearts so that they cannot believe and be saved. So I believe this is a Christian, but he has no root in himself, but he believes and receives it with joy. Only God can allow you to receive his word with joy. That's a miracle of his grace in your heart. But because they have no root, they endure for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. You know, my third tree, it's 30 feet tall. It has bloomed. In fact, man, it, it survived some storms. We made it, you know, Hillary wasn't that bad where we were at, but we lost a lot of limbs in our neighborhood. And that tree, I remember going out worried about my baby tree and it, it lost like a big limb uh, out of it. But you know what? It hung in there and it lived. And then after that, it bloomed. I swear it doubled after Hillary. And I thought, you know what? You need roots. Like it, it took a hit, but it didn't die. And listen to me, man, life is hard, right? Like some of us, life has been hard, but life as a Christian is harder. I think we need to be honest about this. It's harder, I think, to live as a Christian because you can't cheat your way around your circumstances. It's harder to live with integrity. It's harder to live with purity. It's harder to live an honest Christian life and you need roots for that. You need that modeled for you. So where do you get roots? As a, as a growing Christian, it's called discipleship. Right. So I want you to write this down. Point number one is this, and don't ever forget the first part. It's God's grace that secures my faith, but my growth secures my life. Okay. You need roots. Uh, do you guys know palm trees? The roots of palm trees are not that big. They're like the size of pencils, but there's so many of them. 
and they're so interwoven and they get so wide looking for water, like 40, 50 feet wide. You ever see a palm tree blow down? No, <laughs> right? Because it's got so many of those things supporting it. And I look at that and I go, man, that's the church. That's what you need, the body of Christ that supports you and holds you during the storm. Ephesians 4 says that the body does this for us, the church body. Ephesians 4 says this, instead we speak the truth in love, growing in every way to be more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church, and he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its special work. Each of those roots have a special role. And listen to this, it says, each one helps the other parts grow so that the whole body's healthy, growing and full of love. Listen, who is helping you grow in these essentials? Who's helping you learn how to study God's word, memorize God's word? Who's helping you learn how to meditate on God's word? Hear God's word preached at a great church. Who's helping you learn how to pray? More than just praying for yourself. Like who's helping you learn how to pray for your lost friends, your coworkers of the world? Maybe open a map of the world and pray for the world. Who's helping you learn how to share your faith? Who's helping you learn how to share your testimony, what God has done in your life? You need others. You need the body to help you. And most of us don't have that. One of the things I want you to notice from now on, everything, every time we do a series, one of the coolest things that maybe you miss is some of the art and the design and, and even the title of these series that we do, there's a lot of intentionality behind it, a lot of thought, a lot of talented people that work on that because it all communicates. And this summer, we did a series on discipleship. You should go back and watch it. Uh, but originally, the title of it was Follow Me, this journey of discipleship, Follow Me. And the image was this hiker on this boulder, this silhouette of a hiker going through the desert. You know, there's yellows and oranges of this sunset. And we're, we're in like a couple of meetings into this, you know, design and this image. And I looked at it one day and I said, guys, I'm so sorry. We can't use this. Like we, we got to scrap this. I thought I was going to get stabbed with an Apple pen, you know, like <laughs> from one of the design people. But like I said, we can't use this because there's only one hiker. And that's the problem, is that most Christians think, after I trust Christ, it's up to me to, to, to make my way through the desert of my 20s, the wilderness in my 30s, on my own. Listen, the beautiful thing about discipleship is you don't have to grow by yourself. That's right. That's right. You're not meant to just pull yourself up by your own boot, you know, pickaxe. In fact, I, that's not even a safe way of hiking. I, I said, you know, that's how people get lost and die, you know? Uh, Listen, the biblical image is not you alone hiking. It's 2 Timothy 2.2. It's a Paul discipling a Timothy who's discipling others. It's you being tethered in with people in front of you and holding the ropes for people behind you. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, the things you've heard me say, Paul is speaking to Timothy. Timothy, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to reliable people who will be able to teach others also. This is what we mean by multiply, multiplying your life. Who are you tethered to in front that when, man, when you get tired, when you want to give up, they pull you through. They, they hold the rope for you. And then how are you turning around and multiplying that, holding the rope for others? Jesus is saying, basically, we have a problem as a plant. We have a problem two directions. We need roots to keep us in the, in the storm and the trials. But then he said, we have a problem in another direction. Are you bearing grain? Are you bearing fruit? 
are you multiplying? Verse 18, he says, now there's other ones, other seed. There were sown among thorns. And he said, these are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and then he just throws in the desire for other things. I don't know what that is, but that covers a lot of other stuff. The desire for other things enter in and choke out that vine. They choke it out, and it proves, listen to him, unfruitful. His, his point is, are you maturing and are you multiplying? Does it produce grain? Now, one of the things about this one that bothers me, anybody ever watch thorns grow? I have. I see it every summer. When most people leave and take off from May to August, I go, there's the thorns. It's slow. In other words, it's a decision. It's a decision over and over and over in time. And I'm not saying there's anything bad about you going on vacation. Beautiful things have thorns. But what is it that causes you to miss community group? What is it that causes you to cancel community group? Because it's a decision for us. Thorns grow slowly. You don't get snuck up on by some thorns. You know, uh, my little sister, when she was traveling back home to the country she lives in, Southeast Asia, uh, they lost one of her crates. It had like all of her, her Bible, her journals, like all this stuff for a month. And we found it in Sydney, Australia. And that's a whole other story. But I found out later why her bag gra- grabbed, why they took it, why they separated it. Uh, she's lucky they didn't incinerate the whole thing because inside the crate, she had a Christmas wreath like a real vine, twisted, you know, beautiful wreath, but you can't take that through another country. There, you know, Australia looked at that and said, nope, like if it's got one little insect, if it's got one little fungus, you know, that kind of invasive species could wipe out something in our ecosystem. And so they, they took care of it. Do you know, California has 16 checkpoints when you drive in, don't they? And they ask you two questions. Do you got any plants or any produce, right? They're not asking if you got fentanyl, or if you're with Al-Qaeda, you know, but if you got grapefruit, you're in trouble. They're guarding, right? Like they're guarding the citrus industry from those invasive things. And listen, California does a better job guarding its borders than Christians do guarding the gates of your life and your heart. Do you guard the gates of your heart? Like what do you allow in that, that says, man, I need to pursue this instead of community. I need to pursue this instead of those time, that, that time and effort and resources that can be used to multiply my life. Right, I want you to write this down, number two. The fruitful life, it's a daily choice. It's a daily sacrificial choice that we have to make. I think a lot of the Christians in our church know just enough gospel to think I'm going to heaven, so I'm gonna chase two rabbits. And you can't do that. Jesus says, you'll waste your life. I think that what he, that's what he's saying, that they fall away from the community, the church, the, God, the life that God wants for them, and they waste it. Hey, everybody. Before we keep going with the message, I want to take a minute and invite you to consider giving to the work of Sandals Church. If you're interested in doing that, you can go to donate.sc. Let's get back to the message. Matthew 6, Jesus tells us, man, don't worry. Don't try to chase two rabbits. Don't worry about what are we gonna eat? What are we gonna drink? Where am I gonna get my clothes? What what am I gonna wear? 
He says, for every, you know, the pagans, the world runs after all those things. And your heavenly father, he knows what you need. Right. He knows that you need him. But Jesus challenges us. He says, seek first his kingdom, a first priority, his kingdom, his righteousness. And guess what? All these things, this is a promise. All those things will show up in your life as well. That's the great surprise. Is it, you don't need to live some kind of balanced Christian life. I don't think there's any such thing as a balanced Christian life. I don't go balance my thorns and my vegetables. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, dude, it's death and resurrection. That's the Christian life, to put some things to death. But he promises you're gonna look up and find that you got everything you want anyway. I want you to imagine for a second that you're a, like a home builder, or let's just say this. Let's say you had to rebuild your own home. That, that's funny, okay? If you, imagine if some of us had to rebuild the house that we lived in and you never swung a hammer before, you know, like I would probably forget like a toilets, you know, have no electricity, three walls, you know, like it'd be bad. But have you ever been in somebody's home who's like a master, like who builds houses for a living? Dude, I went in this guy's kitchen who builds homes and it was, I mean, it was like a Swiss army knife of drawers and you know, stuff sliding out. It was beautiful, dark you know, wood, and it was amazing. The closest I've ever had to anything like that is when we moved into our house and the garage was, it was like a blank canvas for a man. I was like, this is awesome. You know, I'm gonna put industrial shelves from Lowe's all down the wall. And then I realized how expensive those are. And I'm like, I'm gonna put hooks from Lowe's, you know, all down the wall. It was still fun, you know? I'm, I remember as like a young person growing up and, and trying to make disciples going, God, is, this really, is your promise really true? And you know what happened? Uh, I realized later in life, I'm like, you know what? I know, I know how to choose a spouse because I've helped other people through that. When we had kids, I realized, man, I know how to answer this question because I've answered it with people before. I know where in the Bible this is. My kids, we all, we get to watch other people's lives play out. We get to watch and learn how to have integrity, how to deal with finances, how to choose good friends, how to go through tragedy. And I realized, man, if you don't build into the lives of others, you're not ready to build your own home. You're not ready to build your own life, but God will give that to you. He'll give everything back to you. And you'll be like, wow, I, learned, I know how to do this. He also holds out one fourth soil, and there's incredible purpose and promise in it. He says, there's other seed though. Those that were sown on the good soil. He said, these are the ones, they, they don't just hear the word, they accept it and they bear fruit. Undeniable fruit, 30 fold. You don't miss it, 60 fold, 100 fold. Like they multiply. They don't just mature, they multiply. You know, we live near the Orange Groves, like the Orange Grove State Park, and we love to drive our friends through there because it's beautiful, but people always get a little bothered by, by all the oranges that are just like laying on the ground and in the road and they're rotting and people get kind of, they know how much money those are you know, when you go to the grocery store, uh, especially here, and they're like, what are, what's with all the oranges? I'm like, well, they're not growing oranges. And they're like, what do you mean? They're growing trees. You know, you're thinking addition. They're thinking multiplication. It's way bigger. You know, when the church thinks addition, we, we miss it. And I, and I love our church. Sandals is one of the fastest growing churches in the country right now. I don't know if you know that. We baptize somewhere of six, 700 people a year. If we were able to do that for 100 years, that'd only be 60,000 people. You're not gonna reach the world doing that. 
right? The world is multiplying. We can't be adding. But do you know how powerful multiplication is? You know why Jesus wants us to multiply? If you could fold a piece of paper uh, 10 times, which physically you can't, but the thickness of it would be the thickness of your hand. If you could fold a piece of paper 20 times, it'd jump to a football field. If you could fold a piece of paper 44 times, it'd touch the moon. Listen, if someone started making disciples in our church and they reproduced two, four, eight, if any one person took Jesus up on that and started making disciples in 33 years, it'd reach the world. That's how powerful multiplication is. I want you to write this down. Multiplying my life, it's not easy, but it is simple. It's, it's simpler than you think. We have some men and women in our church right now that just after this summer, they started gathering people from their work and saying, let's get together every Friday and let's read the Bible and pray. You know, there's uh, stay-at-home moms that are getting together, play dates, Thursdays, 10 a.m., let's read the Bible and pray. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it costs you something. But if you're growing, you can disciple somebody else. Ezra, look what Ezra 7:10 says. Ezra, he had set in his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and then to teach the statutes and rules in Israel. He was living it out first. But if you're growing and living it out, you can turn around and teach a younger Christian this. Model it for them. Show them how to live and follow Christ. Okay, I want to teach you guys a new term. Uh, you probably don't know it. Uh, it's not in the Bible. It's uh, brop, okay, with a P at the end. So some of you motocross guys know brop because you hear it all the time. If you've never heard this term, uh, it's really common because if you've ever seen like motocross where those guys sh jump, you know, the huge 70, 80 foot jumps and do the tricks, you know, with their feet and all that stuff. I, I have friends that do that. They're some of the best guys in the world. But I just was like, guys, you know, one of my friends, I'm like, how do you even learn that? You know what I mean? Because if you, if you go long, it's dangerous. If you come up short, it's dangerous. Like, how do you even get started in that? And I've watched some of them, you know, follow along and do all this. I'm like, are you trying to get the speed and the timing? And he goes, no, it's actually, you're listening. You're listening to the motor. Is it brah, or is it brah, 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 you know, brah, you know. <laughs> And so the reason they're riding along, and you listen to motor, and that's all motocross guys talk about. So, oh man, he was like, brap, brap, and I went, brap, and it was like, you know, it's hilarious. They got like their whole language, you know? Man, I pinned it, I still cased because I didn't brap. But he said, yeah, as I ride along, man, I'm listening to that sound to know exactly like how to, how to gauge it. And I thought, dude, that's discipleship. That's discipleship right there. You get close enough that, man, you can see it lived out. You can hear it in their life. First Thessalonians 1, Paul says this. He said, man, we didn't just, you know, lead you to Christ and leave you there. He says, we lived among you for your sake. That wasn't the finish line. We wanted to see you mature. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. You made it through some trials. And then he said this, you multiplied. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but listen to this, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Can you imagine God saying that about you someday? Man, because of what you did, your, your faith rang out like a song that was heard everywhere someday. I think when someone shared with me the vision of multiplying my life, 
there was just something inside me that woke up and said, man, I get to do this. It's not a sacrifice, but I want to give my whole life to this. And I'm not like a big, uh, what do you call it, like verse, where, where you have like your verse, your life verse kind of person. But I was reading Psalms one day in Psalms 45. I thought this captures my whole life. And it's a commitment. It says this, Psalms 45, 17. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Can you imagine doing something with your life that's timeless like that? I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the nations will give you praise forever and ever. I wanna do something with my life, God, that's gonna be timeless and that's gonna fill the world one day. And I made a decision. I'm asking you maybe to make a decision like this, to take personal responsibility for the mission of God. Jesus didn't just save you. He wants to send you. And I don't know where you started in your growth, in your discipleship process, but I know that with God, he can 100-fold your life. It's still possible. I've seen it, if you make a decision like that. I remember one of my favorite worship memories was several years ago. I was speaking at a conference, and there was, it was a huge ballroom like filled with people, and it was getting ready to start, and everything was there. Everybody was in. Uh, the band you know, just started playing, and they're like halfway through the first song, and all of a sudden, the screen behind them went out, like the, with all the words that people need to sing. And the room kind of goes quiet and the microphones went off. I don't know what power problem happened, but all of a sudden it was just, the microphones were off, the screen was off, and there's this young girl up there leading this worship team. And I thought, oh no, like what's she gonna do? You know, I would have probably cried, balled up in, you know, on the floor or left or ran out of there. Get, uh, but I, I watched and like, as the music kept playing, it was almost like she made a decision. And I saw her turn around and, and kind of motion and then she stood there all by herself and closed her eyes. And I didn't even know for a minute, but she was singing. And I couldn't hear her, but I started to hear the first row. And then I started to hear like, third, fourth, fifth row, join in. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it started to fill the room. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And man, pretty soon the whole room was singing. And let me tell you something, there wasn't a worship team anymore. We were the worship team. And it's one of the most powerful worship moments I've ever had. I think the power came back on, but the power was already there. You know what I'm saying? And it was amazing. Listen, I don't know what went wrong for you in the, be in the beginning. That maybe you didn't get the growth you needed. Maybe you didn't get the start that you needed. Maybe you didn't get somebody discipling you, but you can stop right now and decide that this is gonna be a moment that, that, that says, I will cause your name, God, to be remembered to do something timeless with your life. Listen, we don't get to decide where the story starts, but God can help you change how the story ends. And God can multiply your life beyond anything you could ever imagine. Can I pray that for us as a church? Let's pray. God, my prayer this weekend has just been that you would awaken 
a giant in our church. God, that we would hear the sound of it. We would hear the sound of it right now as it starts to grow in our hearts. God, would you awaken something in us that tears off the thorns that have kept us and choked out what you wanna do through our life. God, would you awaken a giant in us that says, I'm gonna send roots through, straight through these rocks if I have to. And that you would multiply us, God, so that the world might be filled, that we might multiply our life and bring you glory forever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.